Good afternoon and welcome to another edition of Overtime. Overtime is our weekly podcast where we get to kind of dissect what we talked about over the weekend here at the Christian Life Center. So glad that you're joining us. This is, I think, like week number 16 or 17. I don't even know. I probably have that wrong. So we're glad that you're here with us. Um, as always, we're going to kind of jump into the content that didn't quite make it or some questions that we have. Actually, I've got a, a couple good questions. I've even got some questions that I want to ask you. But before we jump into that, we do want to let you know of the things that are happening tomorrow. We've got two exciting things that we're pretty pretty stoked for. Stoked? We're going to use a 90s word, stoked. stoked. If you don't know what that means, I don't. can you look it up? Anymore? It has to do with fire. It just means yeah, but you that, stoke it to but, get it going again. But not the 90s excitement piece. That was it like, means I'm super wicked. stoked. Awesome. Anyway, whatever. Maybe that was the wrong word, but I, I thought I'd throw it in there for nostalgia. But anyway, yeah. we're excited for the two things that we want to bring to your attention. Uh, the first I'll mention is that tomorrow we actually at the Christian Life Center are starting a brand new podcast. It's called The Well. Christian Hessling is running that. I'm also helping him with that. So if you don't already feel tired of my voice, uh, tune into that. It's mostly Christian talking. It's a pretty cool resource that he's starting for parents, for teachers, for coaches, pretty much anybody that deals with teenagers. It's really what his goal and his desire, and I don't want to take away anything from that because it drops tomorrow. You can hear the vision from him directly, but it's really for anybody that works with teenagers that it can be a resource for you. Not claiming that we have all the answers, but it can be a, hopefully a useful tool in your arsenal as you're working with teenagers. So pretty excited for that. That will drop sometime, I believe, tomorrow morning. Um, so hopefully by your commute in, you can get that in. And for reference, today is uh, actually Tuesday the 11th. So that would be Tuesday or Wednesday the 12th. So that will be tomorrow. But then the other thing that we want to highlight is tomorrow evening at Cal, which is stands for Connect on Wednesday. We have a weekly meeting that we do a meal at 530 at 615. We have a bunch of classes. Well, tomorrow night's a special event that we have our evening with elders. It's kind of like our informal business meeting where our elders are going to be here at the church talking through some of the initiatives that we've been up to, some updates in that, um, give you an opportunity to ask any questions that you might have, and just kind of a general overview of where we're at within the church. So if you're interested, we would love to have you be a part of that. You can bring your questions and just kind of be there. 5.30 again is a meal, and then at about 6.15 is when it actually starts. So 6.15 and probably till about 7.30, maybe 7.35 or so, depending mm -hmm. on questions. Yep. Um, but we would love for you guys to be a part of that. So check out The Well. That'll be dropping tomorrow and then also check out evening with elders yep. so those are two kind of highlights that we have for you now we'll kind of change gears transition a little bit and uh jump into the weekend services and so this week we started a brand new series um called the holy spirit such a clever name huh? yeah, yeah it was really cool and mm. uh i the, as always basically that first series is always kind of like an introduction right like yeah kind of overview a survey yeah of sorts. Yep. so do you want to kind of talk you know let us know what we talked about kind of there as a brief overview yeah if you haven't listened would recommend it uh kind of foundational in fact if uh you're gonna if you've missed it and gonna come back this week i would just say definitely be worth the time to, to take 50 or so minutes and uh listen to it i wouldn't recommend it one and a half or two speed and <laughs> if you can honestly i'd I'd recommend viewing it as opposed to listening it. If you yeah. can't only listen, understand. But if you can get it on your phone or get it in front of your computer, I think it'd be beneficial just because yeah. there's some pieces of that to help you see. But you can't really talk about the Holy Spirit uh, without talking about the Holy Spirit being God. And you can't talk about the Holy Spirit being God without talking about the Trinity. So right. it just creates kind of this foundational piece that we got, got to sort through. And it is a complicated process because uh, one equals three equals one, right? right. Which is... Right. Uh, 
Yes, one plus one plus one equals one. I mean, so however you look at that, it just gets really, really complicated. Right. And so thinking about the Trinity makes for hard work. And it's one of those things that while we could talk about forever, you could use analogies like water, well, H2O frozen, H2O, you know, is solid, H2O steaming, that's like a gas, H2O liquid, you know, normal water, but they're all still H2O, and it's like, maybe that'll help, but it's just, it just seems a little bit silly to define God in such um, narrow terms. And so... I uh, kind of the big part of this is seeing that the Holy Spirit is God, not some impersonal power, but a powerful person. And so we got to go, okay, if he is God, always was God, and always will be God, then we probably should uh, become acquaintances. Yeah. Particularly yeah. if we've heard this thing about eternity that God offers us through Jesus, it makes sense that we would begin this real relationship with him. And typically when you look at the Holy Spirit, there's a couple complications. There's some folks that um, that are so enthralled by it the Holy Spirit's power, like the raise dead people to life, you know, the healings and all that kind of stuff that they're just consumed by. And most of the, their focus is how do we, how do we tap into that power? Right. Yeah, right. So you have that piece and uh, there's some really neat stuff there. Uh, Jesus does resurrect himself with the Holy Spirit doing that work. We see it throughout history. Some real miraculous stuff that happens. And yeah. So it wouldn't make sense that we talk about that. And then there's confusions about like different, giftings of the Holy Spirit, like, for example, speaking in tongues. you got to figure out what to do with that. And so there's right, all this right. stuff around there, and so you got to figure out all that stuff. And so you got this one group that's really enthralled by the power and the might and uh, the mystery that comes with the Spirit. And then on the, the other opposite end of the spectrum, you have folks who go, yep, that's been abused, that's been misused. People have said they were speaking on behalf of the Spirit and right. did some inappropriate things. They've talked about the Spirit giving them, like, supernatural insight that the scriptures don't show that kind of left people astray. And so the, the overcorrection to that is let's not talk about the Holy Spirit at all. Let's talk about uh, what we can know, which is the creator God and his son Jesus and then his word and how we sort through that. And so get the other side. So what makes sense to me is that if we were going to start the series, we'd actually start with something like the, the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. So yeah, how do we marry right, this right. idea that the scriptures tell us a lot about the Holy Spirit and we can understand it, and yet um, it, it is founded really well in his word and not in some ethereal place. Right, and right. so what we did this first week was really look at the the role of the, the three parts of the Godhead, uh, yeah. the Trinity, uh, word for that, and comes from the Latin, I think you get the word triad, those kind of things from it. Um, and so we looked at kind of the different role that each one of these play, and really, really neat, I think, in sorting through it that you... And we looked at it through kind of what we call the the, the meta narrative, the narrative about that narrative. We've almost overused that word meta now. It's like, oh, that's so meta. That means about the thing, not the <laughs> thing that's about the thing that's about the thing. It gets so confusing. And so what it means when we talk about the meta narrative of the scriptures, we mean the story about the story, right? So there's yeah. this one story kind of woven through it. By the way, the way that that story is woven through, we'll get to this this week and next week, is actually through the spirit. Right, So there's actually a weaver of this, yeah. and that's the spirit who's keeping this whole story together. But when we look at how the story plays out, we've always looked at it, and kind of uh, since I've been here anyway, uh, the, the narrative of, of creation, fall, redemption, restoration, and yeah. then consummation, the idea that God creates the world, uh, that uh, mankind, humankind, humanity fights against that, right? And says we like our own plan, and we lead ourselves astray, lead ourselves into the ditch, and then God, creation, that's the fall, then redemption, God through Jesus redeems us. And then not only does he redeem us. He then goes about restoring us and our world to one day where it'll be perfect, like this beautiful wedding, this consummation where all things will be made right. And so he just kind of started looking at the roles each part of the, the Godhead plays. And right. so when we talk about it that way, when you look at creation, what you see is that it's actually Yahweh, the God who always was, the self-sustaining one who called the meeting, right, and brought forth creation. So 
God the Father brings forth, brought forth creation. And then you look at kind of our role in this. Mankind goes, we like our way better than yours, God. And that's where the fall happens. And what happens is we fought against God's plan, right? So God brought, we fought, and then you go, that's a really bad story unless you get to the good (laughs) news, which is what we always like in the movies, the superhero movies where the superhero comes in, the one that's greater than us, has greater powers than us, greater abilities. He rarely ever shows up early, but he's never shown up late, right? That kind of picture. We see Jesus as the one who... The word is redeems, which right. means to buy us back. So if God brought, we fought, then Jesus bought yeah. us back into, you know, paid the mission price to get us back to the table, which is, I think, where I fully get and understand. And the, the ethereal part for me, or the part that's hard for me to make tangible and put feet to, is not that. I understand God loves me. I understood that I couldn't earn my salvation, right? I get all that. But it's still hard, and I think I grew up in a church world that told me to pray a prayer so that one day I'd get into heaven. Right. Like that was the finish line. Right, right. But the reality is the older I've gotten to realize that that's not the finish line. That's actually the starting point. Now we're back in it, and there's this last piece of restoration. Like how do we find restoration in our life and then find restoration in our world and be used for that restoration? Bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. So in Chester County, as it is in heaven, right? In Pennsylvania, as it is in heaven. In Delaware, as it is in heaven. In Maryland, as it is in heaven. So how do we actually do that? And that's a really neat thing that we got to see the Spirit is that if God's the one who brought this forward and man's the one who fought against it and Jesus is the one that brought us back, then the Spirit is the one who sought us out, right, right throughout right. the Scriptures and sought us out. The fact that you are even starting to understand this right. isn't because cognitively you're brilliant or you had some yeah. a breakthrough. It's that the Holy Spirit has done something for each of us right. that has made this possible. And not only did he sought, I really wrestled with that word. I don't know whether you sought or taught. Because okay. even what Jesus tells us in John chapter 14 is, He's going to seek us and teach us all that, remind us of all that Jesus taught. So there's something about this that we have to give some credence to. And yeah. so I guess to me it was like, hey, I, this is new territory for me. But I confessed this uh, this weekend as I've always really struggled with this trinity. While I wouldn't have ever said this out loud, I did this weekend. <laughs> I kind of saw it as God the Father, God the Son, and God his word, yeah. right? Because that that's concrete, that I know, that I can study. It's tangible, you know? this idea that there's this spirit that's doing all this stuff. And so it makes sense to me that so much of how we experience God's love is actually through a spirit. Right. God shows us his love. So God does love us. He sets the whole world in motion through right. love. He shows us his love through Jesus, but yeah. that's not how we experience his love. Yeah. And so yeah. here's kind of the idea. Jesus gets to be beside us in this, but the Holy Spirit gets to be inside us. Yeah. So what does it look like to actually finally for once feel his love for us. And so but that's began the journey of this new series of going, what would it look like? We'll get to his power at some point, but what would it look like to actually feel loved yeah. by God, feel that peace and security by God. Yeah. And that cannot happen apart from the spirit. So yeah. it makes sense that we start sorting through that. Yeah. I, so I feel like there's a uh, man, uh, if you can see, if you're watching, I've got notes on both sides. So I, it so might godly. take me a few. Well, I wasn't a, trying to go for that, but oh, I wow. just feel like there were so many thoughts. And what's interesting is that I feel like I grew up in church. Yeah. So maybe v- very much like you, I feel like maybe this is, and I love the title that you even referenced, at least on the Saturday night service, that you said that there was a book by Francis Chan called Forgotten God. Yeah. And I feel like maybe for, for many of us, kind of this third part of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, is maybe that forgotten oh, absolutely, part. Yeah. And so I feel like I can relate with that. But I, I just to even kind of take a step back, because it can be confusing, and I'm not sure, you know, we could have a bunch of people that are listening that are like Bible scholars and experts, mm-hmm. but then we also might have some people that are still struggling through kind of this whole concept of the three-in-one, the Trinity. Like, how do we even get there? And like, you use the example of water. So yeah. you got gas, liquid, and solid form. Yeah. You got ice, you got vapor, and you got yeah. just regular water. Yeah. And then I've also heard like, 
like the example, and I, I've always thought it was kind of a lame example um, of like an egg. Like you got the egg white, you got the yolk and the shell, but well, and the chicken. I, I don't know. I see even that one. You can puncture holes in it. And then I heard when I was when I was in Bible school, they used the expression of three in one oil, which I have no idea what that is. I know the two in one shampoo and body wash and conditioner. Uh, yeah, that I'm, could be it. Yeah, maybe I, that's uh, it. Yeah, yeah hey, maybe there's a new yeah, one. There the, it is. There is the shampoo? three the the shampoo, conditioner, and body wash. Okay. There it is. That use, is example use of the Trinity. this God. He'll clean you all over. <laughs> So we just thought of a new one. There it is. Yeah. Hopefully that explains it. But no, that is actually one of the questions that we have here too. Yeah. Let me see. Here it is right here, this question. Okay. Um, and I do want to encourage you to just, again, as you're listening to this, whether you're watching it live, you're listening to the podcast, if you have questions, whether it's regarding the message yeah. or not, send them to us. We would love to have them. We'd love to be able to field them. Yeah, please ask questions. Otherwise, Ben is shaping the Yeah, agenda. otherwise ben, I ask ben. questions, yeah. and who knows what I'm going to get. Sometimes I just I mean, play. have you met him? Wow, what a dig from the announcement video. Sometimes, yeah, I know. Yeah. I felt that, too. Uh, that was the first time that I heard it in the announcement video. I was like, oh, ouch. I thought Megan and I were friends, but apparently not. Um, she is competing with their podcast and ours. Maybe that's I don't find it a competition. Started. I'm just trying to serve the Lord. <laughs> such a godly answer uh so anyway let me get to this question but if you do have a question please just let us know you can email us at overtime at clcfamily.church or just write it on the back of a bulletin drop it in the offering plate on the way out but here's the question that was asked by one of uh, one of our listeners our congregation yeah. says josh said that the trinity speaking about the word and you did mention this in some of the services uh the trinity was not mentioned in the bible um, and then this person asked did i mishear this if not how did the concept of the trinity come to be known yeah, so uh, it is not in the scriptures. It's really complicated because yeah. we see this kind of thing. And here's what we got to understand: it's like even the scriptures as we know them, right? We're well, the Old Testament, uh, 200 AD, maybe 250 AD, so a couple hundred years before Jesus shows up, the Torah gets canonized, meaning this is what we value and esteem as God's word to His people. Right. Like and these the are Torah, things that, that fit, was like the first five books. No, of no, Bible, no, that right? would, that, that's the Pentateuch. Okay. So the Pentateuch, Torah would be I'm just sorry. like the, the Old Testament. So the whole yeah. Old Testament was kind of canonized. Now the Pentateuch would have been Saul for a long time. Okay. It's kind of the Hebrew right. understanding. That's what they would have memorized, like and stuff. And so the whole Old Testament, prophets, law, you know, history, all that kind of stuff, um, wisdom, that would have all been kind of put together. So that's where we get the Old Testament, and we can feel comfortable about that because Jesus quotes it a whole yeah. bunch of them. Oh, that must be true. Right. You know. Oh, that's yeah. He quotes Moses. He quotes the wisdom. He quotes the all, you know, yeah. So really, really neat stuff there. And so that gets canonized. We go. This is the scriptures that we can count on. There's a term that uh, they use called apocrypha or apocryphal, and it just means like these statements that are believed to be true that are not uh, guaranteed to be true because they're, they're, we can't find the validity of their author, right? Okay. And so there's some books in the kind of the between period, which oh. if if I can interrupt, like and thinking of the Catholic Bible, that's referred to as the apocrypha as well. That's right. right. Yeah. So there's just some things that are make some really neat stories. And there's two different sides. So that one there, that a lot of what you're gonna find there is kind of the the time between the canonization of the scriptures. Right. Uh, the Old Testament, the Torah, and the New Testament, where these first four books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. By the way, those aren't the first ones written. We believe some of Paul's letters coming out first. But anyway, for, for a different conversation. But there's that dark period in between those times where uh, there's stuff like the Maccabees, this right. story of Hanukkah, the, right. the revolt of these um, Orthodox Jews that go, we're not going to let these Hellenistic, you know, this culture, this Greek and Roman culture um, dilute right. our our, our devotion to God, right? And so they're beautiful stories that point to some really good things, but we don't know that they're going to be evidentiary in terms of they, they, the, the writers are the ones who wrote them. 
and whether or not they're actually true stories or stories that were just captured as okay. kind of folklore myth. We believe them to be true, not really positive, so that's why those don't fit in there. Now you got some others that are almost the New Testament. So real quick, New Testament it gets canonized uh, a couple different places in Africa and in Europe somewhere 392, 395, 397 AD. So this is 300 years after Jesus's right. that these kind of get defined as these books, right? And so up until that point, for the first 300 years, these are just these are just known Letters, stories of right. Jesus's life, okay. right? Written by uh, people who saw Jesus, and yeah. so even as they started to determine which ones the value, they were able to look at the authors, look at the stories, look how they overlapped. So you got something like the Gospel according to Thomas, some Gnostic gospels. Those those are gospels where they go, our body's so broken, we can't believe in this stuff. You know, this like this mythological approach to things. So even in all that kind of stuff, when we think about the Trinity and think about the Bible. There would be no Bible for it to appear in for you know right. hundreds of years, but even when we get to that Bible and they go, here's the you know here's the 27 books, here's the ones that we believe, we know the author, we believe they're eyewitnesses, they um, we have lots of evidence that these overlap, and so um, and all those things and a lot of things and lots of copies, all this kind of stuff. Those are the ones they would have said these we believe to be true to God's word. Yeah. Now, this is really important and kind of off topic. Can't talk about it on Sundays. But you go, well, how in the world do we know that? Yeah, right. Like so, that was the, kind of the question. Like, well, how do we trust that they did it right? Well, like, how, how do, do we, we trust that Luke told us the right story? That's right. How do we trust that uh, Paul's letters were from God? Yeah. So <laughs> this is why this third part of the Trinity right. is so important. We believe and can hold, tr you know, and there's some concrete stuff as you re read through it and see how it works and see eyewitness you know, accounts. You got right, right. bibliographic tests. You got, you know, there's things even like when Luke set, talks about Jesus walking, uh, carrying the cross, and then he drops the cross. And then, then he says, someone else has to pick it up, Simon yeah. of Cyrene, who is somebody's daddy or boy or whatever. Right. That's like a footnote. They go, right. for the first century writers, they would have been able to, readers, they would have gone and asked that question. And so this is not, while it's neat for us, it literally was like, hey, you can go test yeah. this. And so there was a lot there, but kind of the belief is that just like the Holy Spirit inspired the Word of God to be written uh, through these human beings, the Holy Spirit we believe, would have convened right. in those moments to go, these are the ones. Right. These are the ones. And we go, that seems strange. Well, you got some other things, like even in Acts chapter 15, where they're trying to figure out um, whether or not Gentiles should be circumcised to become Christians. I think it's 15, yeah. In Acts 17, it's Marcia. So Acts 15, and they're going, those guys got to do it because we got to do it. They got to follow the same rules. These great leaders, Paul, uh, you know, Peter, James, John, Jesus' brothers, these disciples, they get together in this room and they say, what do we want? Should we, should we do it? And they come to this conclusion, and I think it says something like this. They come out and they say, it seems to us and the Holy Spirit right. that we should not make it more difficult for those coming to faith. Right. So there is this like role that the Spirit plays throughout the Scriptures to make sure that we're, we're confident yeah. of these things. And so we would just say that even that council would have gotten together, you know, 395, 397 to go, these are the ones. So there's two different councils that do it. They both come to this conclusion. Here's the here's the Old Testament. Here's the New Testament. Here's something overlap. Here's something the Old Testament points to that. Yeah. So brilliant stuff, right? But even, so you got that one in 395, uh, 70 years earlier, the council at... Nike, Nike, um, we get the Nicene Creed, one of the right. things like the Apostles' Creed that we have that tells us these kind of fundamental beliefs. And that one, they came together and said, here, let us define more clearly who God is. And God is Yahweh and God is Jesus. And then there's conversations about the Holy Spirit here. Right. Now, it's going to take a little while for them to put all this together in, in confidence that the Trinity is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. But, you know, for 1,600 years, that's been kind of a 
canonized or a confident doctrine that we have. But no, the Trinity does not show up anywhere in the yeah. Scriptures. We see the Trinity. We see it in Genesis 1 and 2. Right, right. God spoke. There's Jesus. There's God. And the Spirit you know, hovered. We see it in those kind of things. But we don't actually get the, that word that shows up anywhere in the yeah. Scriptures in that way. Now, from first century, you got Tertullian. And I'm not trying to brush. I guess I got a memory that remembers what I read, read earlier this week, right? So you got Tertullian, one of the, the first you know, kind of founding fathers. You got John, Polycarp, Tertullian. These guys are all connected. So this is like Ignatius. You got these people that like, we have a family tree of people that were discipled by Jesus who were then discipled by John that you go down that way. And the conversations about this triune God were there from even that point. Okay. So from the very beginning of these conversations that we have, we have a church history that captures this conversation about the Trinity, okay. but it doesn't become like this massive guaranteed doctrine that we go, no, we hold this as like absurdly important okay. in a couple hundred years. So you got a couple things to say, well, I think the scriptures are absurdly important, but I think we got to understand that the scriptures are the menu, right? Yeah. So imagine if you're eating something and you open up and you're trying to figure out what to eat. The scriptures are showing you what you should eat but you still have to eat it, right? The, right. the scriptures point to the food. They're not the food. It's kind of like how you mess it up with a dog where you could point at something. You know, you tell a dog, go get it, go get it, go get it. And what the dog does, instead of going to where you point, it goes to your finger. Right. I think a lot of us, we, that we, we miss the fact that these scriptures are going to point us somewhere right. and right. we're running to the scriptures as God. These scriptures are not God. They right. point us to God. In perfection, by the way. Written by the Holy Spirit. Right. But we got to make sure that we don't say, we have to hold a higher value, and I hold an extremely high value of the scriptures. That's how I know who God is. We have to hold a higher value of God than we do th th these words. These yeah. are not what we worship. They point us to the one who we worship. Yeah. Right. And so if you, if you scour the scriptures and work through it, it would be, you'd be hard pressed. In fact, it'd be impossible to argue that God doesn't exist in three distinct persons. And yet it'd right. also be impossible to argue that God is not three people, right. that he is one God, which is why in this whole foundation of going, look, this is hard to understand, but let me tell you why this is mission critical. And it has to do with the infinite love that's available from the very beginning that God right. decides to pour out on his people. So God brings it forth so that we can experience his love. Now we can so the goal wasn't that we know his love, it's that we'd experience mm. it. And Jesus helps us know his love, but it's still hard for us to experience it. So we gotta figure out how does God, if God's doing all the work, if he's doing all the work, it's his work, it's our witness, how does he help us? And how does he make it possible for us to feel and experience yeah. his love? So Yeah. So as I'm kind of thinking through that question, so Trinity doesn't show up that word Trinity, but we can know from church history yeah. that that was a word that they used or the triune God. Well, yeah, they would have worked on that kind of, you know, triad piece of right. how to understand it from, yeah, from the very right. beginning, David and wrestled with that. I mean, we can even deduce that uh, the writers, <laughs> Paul talks about kind of this relationship in, in Ephesians and other places that there is this understanding that there is this God who's at work in yeah. these distinct ways. Yeah, so. and I think that that's really critical too, especially for me as I learn how the Bible comes together, like these different councils that you're talking about. Like for me, knowing that it was this was not just a, a bunch of guys that were going, eh, let's do this or that, but it's really believing, okay, the Holy Spirit did have a plan and a purpose, and he saw that through the writing and also the canonization yeah. of those books. So I don't know. I, I've always found comfort in that because otherwise – when I think about it in the sense that, well, you mean to say man put together a bunch of, like, if you actually stop and think, which I never did for the longest yeah. time. I'm like, wait a minute. So you're telling me a bunch of men got together and decided the Bible? I don't trust Bible? me. How can I trust yeah, them? Yeah, that's no. the thought of going, man, I don't know if I trust that. But when I take a step back and I go, but if the Holy Spirit's 
in this. Yeah. He shaped everything. He inspired man to write. He inspired these men to come together and put this. So in that yeah. sense, I'm going, okay, it's it's not about really trusting yeah. men, but trusting the Holy Spirit that he's at work. Yeah, so you got that piece. So you, it's hard to trust that. But then yeah. you go, well, do you did you trust that the Holy Spirit and God's breath and word right. put together a son? That's right. No, no, no. Well, yeah. yeah, so like this seems a lot smaller than that. By the yes. way, if I remember right. correctly, and I don't know. you have to look this up if you're listening. I want to say Council of Nikea had like greater than 300 people, 320, 350, 370 people. Same thing with the next two rounds of these things, Constantinople and the other ones that are making these decisions. So to have that many people right. who can gather and come to a conclusion, right. it's got to be the work of the Holy Spirit right. in some way. Right. Like we're watching this caucus mess in Iowa of going, what in the world's going on? You got 360 people in a room or whatever it is, and there's yeah. all sorts of fighting. They don't even know who's on whose team. And so you got that. So just by yeah. evidence of even that going, they would have walked away. They would have walked away a lot more confident than we probably give them credit right. for right now going, right. we just felt and experienced a move of God, right. which is pretty neat. Not many of us get to have that experience. Some of us had it kind of occasionally for a brief blip. So pretty neat thing about church history that way. Right. So, so uh, I, I think the next thing that I was curious for you to maybe expound on um, was you had said that you, you had looked at this wrongly, that you, uh, as you said, yeah. you say, God, the father, God, the son and God's word. Yeah. Right. Like, so. Uh, oh, it sounds so yeah. heretical, but yeah. Right. So I didn't know if there was anything more to talk through there. I guess that was a point that I think I've already mentioned it, even that for me, I'm going, yeah, I don't think that I give enough credit, I guess. I don't, I don't know if I think about the Holy Spirit, that third part of the Trinity. I guess my question almost becomes, do I think about him enough? Because I don't think I do. And then I guess my question in that is, is that dishonoring to the Holy Spirit to not think of of him as often as I do God the Father or God the Son. Yeah, so there's a lot of things we could think about there. And here's where I've come to some conclusions. Like, I don't beat myself up over his word. It's like saying, imagine, and some of you have had this experience, you know, we have movies where someone writes this long letter after they die, you know, like, right, and people right. kind of cling to that letter, not because, or someone have a voicemail, right? Like, right. You, you hold on to that voicemail listen to that person's last right, words right. and the reason you do is because you're so drawn and connected to that person and so as long as i see these words it's kind of that thing of going the holy spirit wrote these right like right. the holy spirit is showing me who he and you he as a god the yeah. three head is so when i see the holy spirit as the one who's taken this pen yeah right over 1600 years and then writing all these words Excuse me. There is a value you have to hold the scriptures up to. Right, like right. these are the words of the Holy Spirit, right. right? And so, it's not bad to esteem these, but it is important to go. But they all point to this, right? This God who knows me, loved me enough to create me, and wants me to experience that love and that community and that unity. The same one He has, and His triuneness, right? His Trinity. That same one He wants for us. And so, I think that's what He's going. I'm not. Listen, I. I still hold an absurdly high value of scriptures. Please don't listen to me and my opinions here. Like at some point, either God said it and it's true or he didn't. And this right. is all make-believe anyway, right? And right. so how do we know those things? And so this is always going to be that tension of, well, what is it? how do we just kind of have our own prophetic words and all these kind of things? I'm like, I think maybe that's possible, but they should be backed up and, right. you know, drenched in uh, and consumed by and by the scriptures, right? right and so there right. is something in this, and this isn't That's me right. trying to be extra godly. It's actually a result of being so ungodly that I stand <laughs> here. It's not like, hear me, I'm such a lover of God's word. No, I am so aware of how 
broken I am. And so it makes sense that these would point me back to that spirit. So all I'm trying to say here is the series is going, perhaps we focus so much on creator God and so much on savior God that we haven't really understood how to experience Mm. God because we haven't scoured the scriptures trying to figure that out. We've spent a lot of time talking about us being sinners. Yep. Yeah. Spent a lot of time talking about how God saves us. Yep. And spent a lot of time talking about how we should surrender to that God. Right. That's really, really great. But perhaps those same scriptures also point to how we experience God yeah. here, so the in the nail and also the not nail, meaning right. every miracle is a work of the Spirit to give us a glimpse of what will be for all of us at some point. But yeah. how do we live in that nail? So I think that's the piece of saying, let's look at these scriptures and go, what if we've missed out on this God who doesn't just want to, we've seen it as who wants to do like miraculous things. Yeah, but the most miraculous thing he wants to do is reunite us with mm. his love and grace and mercy. That is the miracle here. Yeah. His presence in us is his miracle, not whether or not he brings, you know, our my foot back to healing. Right. 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 That's not I mean, it'd be beautiful and be it'd be an awesome sign and wonder to talk about. But the real miracle is that we get his love again. Right. 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 So I think that it's really good. Like I appreciate the start of this. And part of that is that I think so I grew up in a Pentecostal background. Yeah. Like that was the church that I went to. And I know to find that for folks who don't yeah, know. Yeah, so have... Pentecostal was man. Uh, By the way, we're talking about Pentecost this week, so uh, can yeah, listen a little okay, bit. Okay, great. So, so Josh can correct anything that I say. No, no, no. So, yeah. I don't so know Pentecostal anything about Pentecostalism. Was, I just know the, the story of Pentecost. Okay, in the so there. the way that I would dis- define that church is that church was really focused on the experiential part of what we're talking yeah. about. And it, even so much that I would say that could even be more negative because what happened was is that often I found myself focusing on the the gift of certain things like i want to be in the presence of god i want to do this i want to do this rather than focusing on the giver yeah like so specifically and and this kind of crosses different lines of different beliefs and thoughts so there's hundreds of different views yeah. but but specifically in the denomination that i grew up in there was there was this belief of speaking in tongues and so there was a pursuit of speaking in tongues rather than the pursuit of the one who yeah. gave the gift of speaking in tongues. So, and I'm not trying to badmouth any church, yeah. but I, I think that, and maybe that was even my understanding of it. Mm. Maybe it was just me in my, you know, excitement and zeal to follow Christ and going, I'm incomplete because I need this and I've got to pursue. Mm-hmm. And, and so it, it was a challenging thing in that. But I, what I was trying to get to was say that I think that what can easily happen, and I really appreciate starting with this of going, okay, foundationally, let's start by talking about the Trinity and triune God, three in one, and we've got to understand the roles. And I thought that that was such a great visual. I know that I'm a visual learner too, so if you don't have any idea what I'm talking about in the message, if you watch that, you'll see kind of these these five different areas and the roles that they play. And that's what Josh was talking about, the sought, the ought, the bought. Um, and yeah. I can't remember the other two, but, uh, like mm-hmm. a- as I was growing up, it was, it was, I get, it was refreshing for me to go, okay, it's not just about the gift that God gives. Yeah. It's about knowing him intimately and experiencing him in a way that's personal and real. And so I think that it's, I think that this, I'm excited for this series because what I'm hoping is that this helps in the tension yeah. of the experience but also in the the reality of this like the, and i guess tension is the word that i think of because it's i find myself leaning one way or another like okay i'm going to lean into the experience no nope, i'm going to lean into yeah. you know the theology of it and and so i i find that it's a tension of living in that because the reality is i can't manufacture an experience of god uh, and you if you can it's not an experience of god that's right and so what we've created in our church is a lot of places where we want to 
we had this experience and we try to keep doing that experience. Right, like we keep right. trying to plug and play. And so the interesting thing is what we're talking about is it being evidentiary, right? right? Evidentiary, like this idea that we need evidence of it. Yeah. So from this very Pentecostal side, charismatic side, spirit-filled side, there's there's evidence that God is real and loving right. through this experience. And from the other side, the there's like what's called a cessationist, the belief that this 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 prophetic signs and wonders kind of ceased at some point in the, right. and they're going, No, no, God will one day do that. But there's evidence that God loves us in his word. Right. So both sides are going, here's the evidence, here's the evidence, and I'm going Perhaps we're looking at this all wrong. Perhaps there is evidence. But when I think about John 14, he says this. Verse 27, he says, Peace, mm-hmm. I leave you. My peace, I give you. I do not give to you as the world. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Like, I think we've leaned so far and going, the way that we know that God is real is he gives us these signs and wonders. Yeah. Right? And there's other side that's like stoicism side that says, you don't need all that. Right. Jesus was enough. Right? But I think there is evidence we should be looking for. Right. But I don't think it's watch me, me get out of my wheelchair and walk again. Right. It's watch me have peace in the middle of my wheelchair. Right. right? There is right. this evidence that I'm just saying perhaps, yeah. perhaps all of us have looked at this. And I'm not saying this is some, I, I don't know. I'm, this is sometimes I try to, this is one of the hard ones because I listened to a lot of material and wrote a lot of material and going, I don't, I just can't land with anyone here. I feel like the Lord yeah. just going, no, like. There is this experience that you get, and right. there is a way that you can know, and they're both one and the same, and it's called peace. Right. Experience is peace. Knowing is peace, right? Because right. you, know, it's a feeling you have, but it's also an understanding of it. Because it says, peace I give you. I do not give to you as a world. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Hmm. That's an experience. And do not be afraid. That's knowing. Yeah. Right? So there's this thing of going, no, no, don't don't make me land in the camp. Yeah. Don't tell me that it's not about experience. And don't right. tell me it's not about knowing. It's both. And yeah. So Andy Stanley talks about this is not a problem you have to solve. It's a tension you have to manage. Yeah, he doesn't right. say this about he doesn't say this about uh, the Holy Spirit. He says it about sermon length okay. versus music or you know children in service versus out. He says you're trying to solve these problems, but these are the things you just have to manage, right? Yeah. And so for me, it's like I think that's it. It's like yeah. I think it's possible to go. No, there is evidence, but at the deepest level of evidence is I can feel. Yeah. And know God's love. Right, right. And I don't know how to do that. So yeah. this is where I'm going, oh, this is going to have to be a work of the Spirit. Yeah. Because this is this is new territory to me. And I just would say, if you're trying to figure out church stuff, be a really good time to jump in here. Not that we're <laughs> experts in this, but we are we are yeah. practitioners, and we're kind of treating this sermon series and this church building and the people in it and the worship as kind of this lab. Of going, yeah. What if this is true? What if yeah. what if we can know and feel God yeah. as a result of the Spirit? And I, I agree. I feel like I've, after years of like, okay, so I grew up in that way, and then I yeah. came to this area, and it was a different style church, yeah. and then I've traveled to so many yeah. different churches and seen so many different things. Like, I just feel like it is. Like, you're, I'm just, I'm in the middle. I don't want to be one side or the other because I've seen God do incredible, miraculous things, and then I've seen and prayed for him to do, yeah. I, I've prayed for him to do miraculous things, and he doesn't. And I'm like, well, it doesn't mean that it's not, Yeah. It, like, it's just, it's so... So it's you got a, you got a couple of different things. You think about the book of Acts. We won't get the yeah. whole thing. But there are times that God does crazy, miraculous stuff in Paul's life. And then he gets shipwrecked. Yeah. Then he gets bit by a snake. And then he <laughs> frees him. You know, like, and then he heals him. And then he gets in prison. And then he ends up dying a martyr. Right. And it's like, wait, right. is that God did miraculous or that God didn't do miraculous? That's right. He did. So it's a now and eventually. Yeah. Right? So this idea that the guy writing a lot of this, telling us about this, is going, I'm experiencing both. There are moments that I cannot explain the evidence of God's grace and his yeah. peace and all those kind of things. But the one thing he just said is, I've learned to be content in all things. Meaning, right. I, right. 
if God hasn't given it to me now, I don't need it. That's yeah. not the breakthrough. That's not the supernatural yeah. experience. What God has given to him in that moment, that's what that means, yeah. that, that he can be content in that meaning. There is a peace that's available to him. There's also this other passage, you know, you got James and John, and they get thrown in jail and then die, and then Peter gets broken out. And you're like, how do you feel if you're James or John's mom? You remember yeah. the same one? Like, how dare you, God? And it's like, he did both in the same <laughs> thing. Does you like Peter better? It's like... It's a both and, you know, it's like, yeah. ah, so I don't want us to lean into either side of this going, it's the evidence that proves that God's good and love. Right. No, it's his spirit right. that proves it. That's and good. so let's figure out how to look to his spirit and all those things. That's good. So, uh, One of the things that yeah. you said in in this Sunday or Saturday over the weekend, you said is that we need to see the ascension in the same way that we see Easter and Christmas. Could you could you maybe re-explain that or, or talk about that a little bit more and even maybe that tag tagging in and out like it was a pretty fun visual for me in my head as you were i don't think i even that. shared that one the next day oh, did you okay so um we had baptisms during the nine o'clock yeah. service okay. and um so we, that, that got shrunk a little bit but yeah gosh that was a funny visual man i didn't make my notes sorry yeah <laughs> so there's just this idea that um we, we really celebrate christmas that's a good one you get gifts we get gifts we yeah. have candlelight all that kind of stuff nice tradition around it and our nation still kind of uh, gravitates and us sets apart yet, right. even if it's not like for the same reasons we do. There's just a time to pause and focus on that. So really, really neat to be able to have some time to do those things. And so Christmas is one of those, if you don't go to church, you're still at least familiar with the story of God stepping in as a baby. Right, right. And we hold it at high value, as we should. This is profoundly impactful that God brings himself to us, brought himself right to us and Jesus, and then buys us back. Meaning, so the first part is that Jesus shows us his love demonstrates his love, models his love, and he does it in what we call the incarnation, or mm-hmm. Emmanuel, meaning God with us. So he steps down and, and he's present with us. This is beautiful because in Genesis, he walks in the garden in the cool of the night. Yeah. Then we fight against that, and then God makes a promise that one day through uh, through Eve's offspring, right, all the way down through Mary, there's going to be someone who's going to come and pay the price to right. redeem all that and bring his presence back. And so God ushers his presence in, or Jesus ushers his presence in, really big moment. But then that's like, that's really nice and gracious of him. But what does his presence do? Well, it's not his presence that makes all things right. It's actually the fact that he buys us with his own death, wages of sin, death, meaning that's our consequences, gift of God, his eternal life through Jesus, that he buys us back. So we know that story of the Good Friday, Jesus, the suffering savior. And right. by the way, this is what's so unique about the Christian worldview, not just the triune God, but there is no other worldview where God himself suffers in that way. Right. Right. It's just not like, why would a God need to suffer? He shouldn't. He's God. Right. And right. yet there's just some, something so beautiful and so loving that God is showing his love. God's demonstrating his love that while we're still sinners, he's dying for us. Right. So you see that in the beginning, God creates it. And then kind of you see like, so if, if the initiation to the restoration and so what I t- referred to a lot on Saturday our Sunday more is this idea of creation 2.0, right? Creation 1.0, we messed it up. So creation 2.0, God's going, you don't get any of the keys. You don't get any of the ingredients. I'm going to restore this, and I'm going to do it all through myself. So Jesus is creation 2.0. So he initiates as a baby, and then he he kind of, uh, the kind of the climax of that is he dies. But then you go, well, that's really nice and loving of him. He shows us love. But what does that do? Well, Then he comes back to life. So we really celebrate the resurrection as this new resurrection, the same power that lives in him. That means we can have that this resurrection. So we all celebrate this idea that God came back to life, meaning everything he said and did was true. Right. So now we search the scriptures and go, this is what Jesus says about me. This is how much he loved me. This is what he promises me in heaven. And so we see those things. So we see these as like all three of those, you know, creation. No, I mean, I'm sorry, Christmas, uh, Good Friday, and Easter. It's just kind of like the package of what you should come to church for, right? But 
there's this other idea that after the resurrection for 40 days, Jesus lives and then he goes and he goes into heaven, right? right. And and we don't really talk about that one because no. it's just weird. He just kind of disappears in the heaven. Like I said, like a helium balloon and then people away. in white yeah. are there, which we know it was before Labor Day, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> and, you know, we go, uh, I didn't use that one on Saturday night. No, you I, didn't. Gosh, you I didn't used it on use Sunday. That, that was okay. funny. Then. I, um, so, you know, and so they come and show up and say, hey, uh, why are you here? Get to work kind of stuff. And uh, so we go, well, why in the world does this happen? And that's the picture. It's when it seemed the darkest, right? Yeah. First, when Jesus dies, you're like, oh, no. But then there's the resurrection. And you're like, finally, he's back. And he's going, but I'm leaving again. Oh, yeah. no. Like, gosh, it just seems like it seems a lot like one of those wrestling matches yeah. where there's a beatdown and there's a revival and then there's a beatdown and there's a revival. And then finally, it looks like it is over. He's going into the sky. But yeah. what actually he's doing right now, in that moment, it's, it's a big, you know, redneck wrestling match where he's, at the last second, reaching up and tagging in his partner who's just right. coming in. And like I said, like Hacksaw Jim Duggan, like six by sixes, eight by eights, and nine by nines, right? And just, you know, just brings this power and this right. energy and this, right. you know, this renewal. And right. so we don't really see it as that, but we have to. It's going, if God is going to set off this movement, it would make sense that there'd be some kind of detonation plan. Yeah. So... The way by which it's the infrastructure is built with Jesus, but that's not how it actually goes to the ends of the earth. There is this detonation, and that detonation is this spirit. Because Jesus yeah. comes in as a human. He steps into our time. He can only be where he is in our time, right? right? right. And so now he gives us some pictures of him defying nature, but he is where he is, right? And so it says he's going back to the Father, but you're wanting to because now all of a sudden it sets off this opportunity for this spirit to again, like creation 1.0, now in 2.0, Hover over the face of the earth and go in and recreate in us this world that he had for us and allow us to experience what he initially planned for us to experience in the garden. So, yeah, and that's, uh, I'm just reading through my notes here. That's when you said it was better to have the Holy Spirit inside you than to have Jesus aside of you. So, yeah, yeah, so you got Jesus beside you. Hey, Holy Spirit, hey, they're going, why are you leaving? We got you. No, don't leave us. No, no, please don't leave us. And he goes, don't let your hearts be troubled. Yeah. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. And that's such a beautiful picture. And I did, I think that's where I traded it. I thought, I like that. That's it. So I I like the um, wrestling piece. But what I didn't get to really focus on uh, on the Saturday night service was that consummation piece in that moment of when Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. That is actually, he is reverencing weddings because hmm. there I'm going to prepare a place for you that where I am you are also. Jewish culture, every single one of those dudes would have known it because many of them had already done it. They would have gotten engaged. They would have exchanged the dowry, and then they would have abandoned their their spouse to be. Yeah, right. And they would have gone back to their father's compound, and they would have started building onto it. And the right. reason being is that as soon as they got the whole thing in place, they can have the wedding. Yeah. And then they can have the honeymoon, right? right and right. so there's this, this urgency to get that built so that people can be back. And so when Jesus is saying that, he is, he's alluding to this beautiful wedding and yeah. consummation. That it, He's actually alluding to the fact that he's going to go back and there's going to – and then he's going to go yeah. But there will be a day when all this is right, this consummation of it. But he's going, so don't worry. I'm not just going to go like you did to your – you know brides to be right. but they had to wonder if you're doing the right thing and sometimes you weren't or any of those kind of things he's like i'm actually going to stay with you and go yeah. their mind's blown <laughs> like wait you're going you're staying and he goes i'm gonna give you another one yeah just like me so you still get my love and my experience in the same way but now it won't be beside you it'll be inside of you right. that is just a like so i'm like read your scriptures and it's beautiful what you actually see kind of going out here more than just oh jesus loves us he's gonna let's get right, to heaven right no there's so much more he's not he's preparing us for heaven but he's preparing us now for heaven in a way that we can experience him and know him in the middle of it so right. that's good that's good uh maybe now is a good time uh and maybe i should have worked these in yeah, actually we'll a little bit better but uh there's a couple questions that we wanted to get to 
um, from you, our listeners. So thanks again for, for writing in for that. Um, this was one that was emailed to us, and it says, I was always taught the Bible talks about knowing, which requires studying God's word, not feeling, as feelings are unreliable and easily changed. Um, and so then the question is, would you agree that the Holy Spirit helps us to know and discern truth in God's word and to not do much feeling? Um, boy, uh, I'm glad you're asking the question. I think we hit on that attention, but I'm glad we get to come back to it. Uh, a year ago, I said, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, in fact, I would have quoted Jeremiah, which is true, that your heart is wicked and deceitful above all right. things. So please, please. And I've told you over and over again, do not follow your heart, right? right. Do not give your children that advice. It is the <laughs> worst advice. Follow your heart. No, your heart will lead you astray. Yeah. And if you don't know it, you know you know it experientially, right? We've all done things and then convinced ourselves that it was the right thing. You bought the car, you dated the girl, you you know you went into that debt, you signed the papers, whatever it is, because your heart told you this is the right thing, and then it led you astray. Our hearts are really good at convincing us what is wrong is right. Right. And so, there is this danger going. Yeah, 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 yeah. Please, 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 don't just follow your feelings, right? Or don't follow your gut by itself. But that's a lot different when we're talking about the spirit. And right. so I would just, I'd wholeheartedly say again, please don't make me choose a side. Yeah, right. Like, just don't make me choose a side. And, and this isn't one of those things that you can over, like, you, it'd be real easy, and you see it throughout the church world, really overcorrect. Yeah. By the example, um, 1740s, uh, 1740s, I think, uh, George Whitfield's coming, this big, massive awakening's going on, and... The Presbyterians, which we were part of, New London Presbyterian Church, could not explain it. Like, yeah. it was doing all sorts of stuff. Like, George Whitfield would just stand up and go, Jesus. And people would just <laughs> melt, right? And the way that Spurgeon says is the same heart that melts the wax hardens the – or the same, the same sun that melts the wax hardens the clay. So some yeah. people harden up. Others were like, that's what I needed. Like, there was just this movement of the Spirit. See, when I talked about it, like, do I don't move? It's like, this movement of the Spirit. Yeah. But it was inexplicable, right? Yeah. We could not explain why it was happening. And so a lot of people were going – that is hocus pocus, and for right reason, because we have led people astray with hocus pocus. We've all heard about the, you know, the 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 sketchy television evangelists who tell you if you send in your money and sow a seed, and while they're flying on their private jets, you're still wheelchair bound, and yeah. you know, and so there's just a huge danger here. So there is this course correction that goes, we got to fight against those wolves. Right, right. So there is that, but in the 1740s, because there was it was unexplainable what the God of the universe was doing in our in our soon-to-be country, which is so crazy because you can kind of chart it versus chart Australia. So you got this utopian society here built with these folks with a new start, you know, with religious freedom. And then you can go look at Australia, which yeah. is like a dystopian society. <laughs> and so, you know, like one of the jokes is, and if you kind of follow the history now, um, when people got off the boat in America, they had a prayer meeting. When people got off the boat in Australia, they had an orgy, right? And so sorry if you're listening online, I, but like that's kind of one of the jokes they say about just the messiness of it. So there was something here. There was this, this foundation happened going, we believe in this world where the kingdom can invade, right? Yeah. Like, you know, the argument is, skip ahead 300 years, um, there's this idea that we, we like the kingdom, we just don't like the king, mm. right? We don't. We want the kingdom, we want all the free stuff, we want all the people caring for us, but we don't want the king, we don't want the lordship of Jesus. And that's what we're seeing in a post-Christian country, our, our world, right? But in, the, in that Christian utopian idea, like people are like, there could actually be some good. And so there was just right. like this this preparation for that and there was all this sowing and all of a sudden there was this harvest and people were like wait this isn't exactly how we thought this harvest would be right. and so people like francis allison our third pastor and others created what was called there was a schism in the church called the old side where we go no 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 we cannot explain that so it must not be 
God, even uh, what became the New London Academy, eventually University of Delaware was kind of created as, let's make sure people stay true to the scriptures because we don't feel this, we know this, right? right? So brilliant minds, Renaissance men, great understanding of God's word, but there's still this piece of going, but don't make us choose a side, right? right? And eventually Francis Allenson leads this uh, restoration through repentance on him as going, no, we do believe this is the work of the Spirit, mm-hmm. right? And so I just would say our church history shows us, right? Our nation's history shows us that there isn't a side to choose here, right? Yes, we should love the Scriptures, right? Yes, we should know them holy because the God of the uh, – holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y, because the God of the universe wrote them through yeah. His Spirit. And yet we can know them, and yet if we, if we live in that camp for too long, we're going to end up shells of people, mm-hmm. Because we're not going to have peace. Right. And we're going to lead in this place of control because we can't quite understand it. And we need to be able to explain what's going on. And if we can't, if it can't be explainable, then it must not be a move of God. And I just would say, there's this other side of that that we got to lean into and go, if it's explainable, it might not be God. Yeah. Because where does the Spirit work in that? Right. And so what would make sense to me as we think about this is going, peace is both knowing and feeling. Peace yeah. is something you know. The God of the universe has this. The God of the universe has, con- uh, universe has confirmed through his scriptures that he has made a way where there is no way. And that one day there will be no more tears and no more pain and no more sorrow. That is a knowing. That is knowledge. Right. But as a result of that knowing, there is an experience you can have in that comforting. And it's not just you got to remind yourself of the future. Right. Gotta, and that's where we go in the knowing. Side. No, no, one day it will be. That's knowing. But you can actually in that moment pause and go, God gave me another. Yeah. So that I can see and experience and Feel him yeah. now. So, what's really beautiful about this is what you see the process of the reasons our heart, the reason our hearts are deceitful and wicked above all things, is because they are flawed and we have fought against the God of the universe. But the process of sanctification is God of the universe coming back into our life. Yeah. And here's what I here's what I'll tell you. And this is so important in terms of when we talk about sanctification. By the way, uh, there's I think some folks get it wrong here, uh, particularly, and I'm not taking shots at Wesleyans or Arminians or John Wesley, one of my heroes, but there's this belief that somehow you could arrive on this, like you could eventually get it all right, right? The Holy Spirit comes to you, and you're you're all good now. Right. And then there's this evidence that you weren't good. So then you go, well, it must be that the Holy Spirit's not real, or he doesn't love me. Mm. And the process of sanctification is the Holy Spirit is slowly, right. slowly changing us. So the way that I kind of challenge it, us in this is you should do what's right because it is right, not because it feels right. That's what I'm coaching my 11-year-old right now. No, no, no. You shouldn't do this because you feel like uh, you know vacuuming the floor. You should do it because your mom and dad asked you to, and you you share the responsibilities of this house. Right. And so it, it's not because you feel like doing it. It's because it's the right thing to do. Right? Right. It's the right thing to do. There is a difference, and that's knowing, not feeling. If he chases his feelings, then that, that will lead him to some despair for right. sure, right? right? So he does it because it's the right thing. But eventually, eventually, one of the things I know about the process of sanctification what feels right ends up being right, right? Right. So honoring your spouse, being a good father, trusting God with your money. We used to do it because we knew it was right, but it didn't feel right. Boy, I'd rather buy that car. I'd rather have a bigger house, right? But instead, eventually, is that, no, I want to be a, hmm. a one-husband man. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want to. Or one wife, man, however you say that. I want to be one husband to one wife. But anyway, so, but I want to do those things because there is this process, the longer you walk in this, that the Spirit is slowly changing your heart to what right. is right knowing feels right experiencing right, and so right. i think that's an important thing to go don't make me choose but the longer you walk the more that that will become a triangle where they kind of get confusing because they're kind of one of the same because now you're getting your father's heart and all right, this. Right. So that's good i just feel like it keeps coming back to that same thing that tension that you live in it's not one or the other mm-hmm. so one last question that i have and then we'll 
that might bring us to the to the time that we have. But it says this. King of the long answer. Yep. Uh, it says the greatest question, um, and this has to do with as you were talking about creation. So this is a, a science question oh. um, about carbon dating. Actually, it says the greatest question is is that as science through carbon dating says the Earth is millions of years old. Human history is not as long. Is it possible that the creation of man in 126, so Genesis 126, was that far after the initial days of creation? Yes. Um, uh, there's lots of quick answers to this. One is, well, carbon dating is wrong, you know, and that's what that's one side, right? So yeah. you go, oh, are we, um, uh, you know, like I don't even know how to respond because I don't know enough about it, but I'm right. not confident enough to say it's wrong. And there's brilliant people who leverage this. And, I mean, now there's kind of some common um, holdings that there's certain ways that you can date things that uh, most scientists would argue are accurate. Now, I'm not a scientist, okay. so I don't, I don't, I don't feel well versed enough to argue that, to, to argue whether or not it's old Earth versus New Earth. I do think then that's kind of the conversation, right? Okay, so kind of the thought is if we chart from when uh, Adam was created, right, and then he had babies, who had babies, who had babies, who had babies, who had Abraham, who had babies, who had babies, right? If we chart through six to seven thousand years, right? Yeah. So you got those things. And so there's – let me just give you some of the rundown, right? So some of them would say, well, we don't know about the whole earth. Maybe there's some – what things like called gap theory. Maybe yeah. between Genesis 1 to uh, Genesis uh, – the first five days and the sixth day, there is this expanded period of time, possibly. Yeah. And animals and then humans. And you go, well, where – what humans, we have some dating of much later. And like actually – most of the human dating, Homo sapiens, which is what we are now, Homo um, Neanderthalus or whatever, um, we don't have much evidence, if any, that shows Homo sapiens, what, what we, you know, our DNA, uh, that's older than six, seven thousand years. So those different types of animals where dinosaurs fit in. So they get all these conversations. So one of them is um, each one of those days was a longer period of time. Maybe not like, maybe it was a 24 hour period. Maybe it was multiple, maybe the day means multiple years or maybe this is like there's arguments that this is where the ice age and dark you know all these different things kind of not dark age but these different things kind of show up so there's that piece to go maybe you know maybe maybe there is a gap there um so some a lot of people i know really bright people who would say there's a gap between the earth being created and then the rest of it you know being implemented right possibly um now there, there are other thoughts and one of them would be this that um, as a result of the flood that you find Genesis six or whatever it is, when God's grieving in that, so so much to talk about in terms of grieving, particularly in Romans eight, where it says that when we're grieving, the Holy Spirit is um, is intervening or talking, interceding right, for us right. to God. There's just something that we got to see in terms of the Holy Spirit about grieving as part of that connection, but right. for a different week. And but we also see that in that moment, there's this big flood, wipes out the earth, devastating. And there's some evidence, perhaps, and I think there's some some folks who fall really, you know, Bible early uh, period time that it would be what the flood did to the earth, the suppression. Like I always joke, it's like if you stay in a bath too long, you get wrinkled. It's not because you're older, it's just what the water does to you. But that pressure could have really done some pretty unique things to the way that we mm. define time, perhaps if we, we we hold to a true view, which I do, of of um, of the flood actually happening, then what would that have done scientifically to a world? It's yeah. hard to explain. Right? So you get those. Um, I don't know. And so the last one I almost always talk about, I briefly mentioned this in a couple of the services, maybe all three, this idea that in the beginning God creates everything, six right. days, but there is no humans on it, right? And then all of a sudden he creates man. This is beautiful. And so he creates man, and there Adam is, completely naked, don't know if he's got a belly button or not, you know, don't have any of those things. And he is dead before he's living. Like, I don't know if he's blue. I don't have a clue. He's just there. Yeah. And he's 
He's dead. And then all of a sudden, this is why it's so important to think about it, is that it says that God breathed into him. That's the same word we use throughout the Old Testament for the Spirit, right? Yeah. And even in the New Testament, when we translate pneuma into the Old Testament, we use that same one that's like renach or something like that, right? Um, so when we see that, um, what, we, what we experience happen or understand is that in that moment, God breathed life into it and this man came. That's how we see the Spirit initiating life. Right, right. But the question I always ask is, how old was Adam when he was born? Right, right. Was he seven? <laughs> was he zero? Yeah. Yeah, well, he was, so a year later, how many how many candles was he blowing out? <laughs> right, you know what I'm saying? Like, right. like uh, okay, he's in this. Was he born fully mature? Yeah, he's, or he's in this beautiful yeah, right. garden. Now imagine the trees in that garden. Right. How massive were those trees? Right. Like, right. were they were they tiny saplings? No, right. no, no, no. It was this beautiful, magnificent garden. The mountains. Like, how in the world those mountains get created? Like, yeah. if we can at least foundation, if we go, if God created it, right, and He created Adam as a fully mature man. Right. Why would he have created a young earth? Right? And so there is this conversation. Not that, that there, which, therefore, if you're trying to assess Adam's age on day one or on day 50 or year 50, you're off by yeah. a, a good number, right? And the younger it is, the more you're off. Like, so you're, you're judging Adam day three as a three day old, but he is, you know, he, right. he's. Uh, he's like a he's million, yeah, he's 50, 50 yeah, million times more yeah. if you judge it by the minutes, right? Yeah. Judge by the minutes, he's 50 million more than that. Okay, now all of a sudden you got some complications on how you judge the earth based on maturity versus immaturity. Yeah. So I don't know what, what, what thing I land in. I just I just would say I do think all all academic fields eventually lead back to Jesus. Yeah. And the timepiece might be confusing for us, and I understand why it would be, and I just would offer this. The, the, the book, the Bible, uh, I don't think it's going to be contradicted, but I also don't think we need to see it as a science book because right. science doesn't prove or disprove God. God proves and dis- right. like he proves himself, <laughs> right. and science will only point to this place where we don't know a lot yeah. where God will have to fill that gap. Yeah. And so when I talk about theology being the crown jewel of all academics, here is a case in point of right. we, I don't know. Right, but it, here's some possibilities of perhaps some things to consider. And all I'm saying there is not this is what I would would assign as the the Bible teaching. Some people yeah. go, this is what it is. I don't know that, and yeah. I would be really, really leery of people who talk about science in the Bible on either side to talk about how their experience and their understanding is the, the right one. Right. I don't know, and here's the reason I don't know. I don't think it's completely knowable here, because yeah. I don't think that was the goal. The goal wasn't for us to know science. The goal was for us to know. Right. God and, right. and I would just point to having some trouble with that. That's okay, because what Jesus tells us is He actually gives us another, just like Himself, who will teach us all that Jesus taught. So I would actually say, particularly if you're a Christian on this, and even if you're not, go, okay, God, if if you actually want me to understand you and believe you, and here's here's a gap for me. He's filled a lot bigger gaps. Yeah. Like I mean, I was I was destined for hell, right? Yeah. And that's a much bigger gap than millions of years of carbon dating. Yeah. So I don't want to be anti-science. Definitely not. I think you should keep studying it. But I, I, I would be um, cautious to say this is exactly how it works. Just want to yeah. point out that there are multiple other conversations and considerations that could be had about the, about yeah. about that topic. And man, yeah. is it complicated. Just yeah. in creation, like in believers, it's, I mean, there's so many different opinions. What is it, like six or seven 
uh, or yeah. theories that you had walked through at one point. Yeah, there is some teaching like, at some point. So they, uh, I forget what series that was, but there was a creation one that we talked oh, about. Oh, it was, about a, it was actually the very first week or second week of the Genesis series oh, in the yeah, beginning. That's it was right, there. in the beginning. Which so is just an evidence that, that I don't know that much because <laughs> there's no way, like, I'm typically there's the expert so on the week that I'm teaching oh because I got it all in my head. Yeah. By now, here we are, months removed. Like, oh, yeah. I don't know. So, yeah. so we're yeah. just about out of time. Was there anything else that you wanted to add or um, that you didn't? I want to point out that we actually called this a Holy Spirit and introduction, and please, please, please understand that. That what I hope happens for you, because I hope it happens for me, just very genuinely here and sincerely. Um, I hope this, like we see as the starting point mm. for this new discovery for us. So this isn't yeah. after six weeks you will get to the finish line. <laughs> what I'm hoping, hear me, hear me, yeah. wholeheartedly. What I'm hoping is after how many weeks it is, four, five, six weeks, whatever long the series is, I'm hoping that all I'm convincing you to do is actually start running. Mm. Not, oh, finally you'll arrive and stuff. No, no, no. Right. I don't even think we're running yet, guys. Like, we're not even in this race we're trying to finish. No. So what I'm trying to convince us is to go, let's get, let's just start moving and ask the Holy yeah. Spirit to move with us and meet us wherever we are. So I want to just say, be worth your time to show back up this week and, yeah. you know, at least start stretching in preparation for what he could have for us yeah. over, the, over the next uh, quarter and year, uh, a decade, whatever that is. Okay. Well, we just, again, want to say thank you for those that are listening live or if you're listening over our podcast. Uh, if you are listening live and you're interested in finding our other podcasts, you can find them at clcfamily.church slash media. You can see all of our overtime. You can see all of our messages. Um, you can also find The Bravely Honest as well as the new um, podcast that's going to be dropping tomorrow called The Well. Also, if you're on podcast, if you're on Apple, Spotify, um, pretty much anywhere where you get your podcast, you can just search clcfamily.church and you should see us pop right up. If you don't, whatever you know, you're listening through, just let us know and we can even correct that. Yeah. It's pretty simple to host uh, once we get it there. So that's pretty I much... I do have one request yeah, for that. Um, uh, just algorithms to the stuff. And what makes yeah. this easier to pop up and see is actually people's conversation about right so if you'd be so bold either mm -hmm. in spotify or on apple to actually pause for a second and write a quick review thumbs up sentence or so whatever that is i mean you don't yeah, have to be, be positive if you don't want to be but <laughs> that would be helpful for us to actually make this available to our uh, yeah. community in a better way so the more the people uh converse on it and give feedback the uh, yeah. more readily available it is that's for all these plus the the sunday and saturday sermons yeah any place that you'd feel comfortable leaving a review we'd appreciate it it would yeah, help us that would be help great. get this in people's ears that would right? be fantastic yeah. so thank you guys for listening we appreciate it don't forget tomorrow Tomorrow night on the 12th, February 12th, is the evening with the elders. That starts at about 6.15. Meal starts at about 5.30. I think it's hot dogs and chili or chips. It's hot dogs. It's hot dogs, at least. So 5.30 then. And There's no impossible hot dogs. I'm sorry. No. no. Have a great week.